butter biscuits. I want my bottle. What do you reckon about that then? Is 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 this yet another fantastic original character? Do not steal original from Jim Sterling. It's a character I'm workshopping. It's called Baby Butter Biscuits. I don't know if you picked that up. Ah, Baby Butter Biscuits. I go party now, okay? I think that will play really well. I reckon I could get a limited series on Netflix. Two episodes, forty-five minutes. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. What's the elevator pitch for this character? Oh. What's their backstory? You know, flesh them out for me. Bring them to life. You're gonna love it. It's, it's basically forty-five to fifty. Let's say 50, fifty-five. 55 minutes of me in a romper suit with a diaper on outside the romper suit. Um, little red circles painted on my cheeks. <laughs> Maybe some downward black lines from the sides of my mouth down to the chin so I look a bit like a ventriloquist. I mean, basically, I want to look like a, a wooden doll's head uh, with a bonnet on. <laughs> and I'm rolling around this studio and it's full of oversized things to make me look small. Like a, a big teddy bear big building blocks big iron and i'm just rolling around on the floor just i'm baby butter biscuits i, I want my papa and then you know almost frightens stage hands very skittishly run on and you know give me things like i say i want my baba and then they <laughs> and then they give me like a blanket like oh i got my baba now okay and they they run in with a big bottle and then they hold that and i'm drinking it um, um, um i got my bottle Maybe that's maybe that's sort of the gimmick. Part of the part of the game is that you say I want my baba, but it's not clear if you want your bottle, or if you want your blanket, or if you want Floyd the barber from the Andy Griffiths show to show up and give you a nice trim trim. Yep. It's so help them if they if they bring him in. Um, yeah, and if they get it wrong, I will just like knock it away and go no, no, baby butter biscuit says no. <laughs> I mean, if you were to post that onto the internet, I'm, I guarantee some people would watch it. Netflix is on the internet. They're going to pick yeah. it up. Limited series. Um, every now and then I'll go, <laughs> I go party now, okay. And then they change me. They, I'm on all fours and they come out and they take the diaper off, <laughs> off of my romper suit um, and start cleaning that. But you can see some brown coming out my romper suit. And it's really wet. I've, I've been eating nothing but baby food um, and drinking baby formula. Uh, it, I, I'm very, very ill in this. In, in this show, I'm very, very sick. And that's my idea for a show called Baby Butter Biscuits. Well, that adds the dramatic element, really. You know, a sick child. Is, is it bad that I'm now wondering, like, how much we would need to finance this? Because I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure we could we could find the funds. I mean... In the budget. The Polquisition budget could probably cover this. I think if we wanted to keep it restricted to one room that is just Baby Butter Biscuit's room, um, yeah. we're probably looking at a tight half mil. I reckon... I reckon half a million will... Will... <laughs> Be enough for a pilot. <laughs> if if we can get my Patreons after <laughs> half a million, I will fly out and film this for you, Jim. I think I picked the perfect figure because it's not comically small or comically huge. It's like I've thought about it. <laughs> uh, and yet still comically large. It's still, still a bit too much. Everyone, go support us on Patreon so we can make the Baby Butter Biscuits pilot. Oh, God, that would be my dream. It's been my dream as of an hour ago. Um, <laughs> that I've, I've always wanted to be Baby Butter Biscuits. I, I think that's where I'm calling. I mean, who, who doesn't want to be Baby Butter Biscuits? Yeah, I mean, the red circles on my cheeks are going to be so bright. So, I mean, almost, if they... The studio lets catch it the wrong way; it will sear the the eyes of the camera operators. But that's a risk I'm willing to take. You knew it all along in your heart is the thing. Like all of this, everything up to this point, the the video game criticism, the the gradual shift into more explicit anti-capitalist sentiment, and then you know the wrestling transition. It's all been building. 
to baby butter biscuits. All roads lead. My grandmother always used to say this. All roads lead to baby butter biscuits. <laughs> oh, there we go. That was a metaphor for capitalism. <laughs> You could just say that and it becomes that, yeah. by I mean, the way. In, in a world with no capitalism, there would be nothing to stop you living out your life as baby butter biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> Ronald Reagan stopped baby butter biscuits. <laughs> baby butter biscuits has a trickle-down economy. No! Okay, I think that's... S- Six minutes is more than enough on Baby Bar Biscuits. <laughs> that that was a 30-second bit stretched out. Are you sure you don't want more than 10% of the episode to be Baby Butter Biscuits content? It's like my grandmother used to say, move on from Baby Butter Biscuits. Hey, hey, everyone, if you've enjoyed this, uh, send us your messages and next week find out what me and Conrad's characters in this series would be. And support this show on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, welcome to Punkquisition, the show where we tell you whether or not your favourite video games are great or perfect. I'm joined as always by... I'm doing a normal intro. How about that? Wow. How about that? I'm joined by Laura Kate Dale. Hello. Uh, I'm here. Hi. Brilliant. And and I'm joined by Conrad Zimmerman. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Getting by day by day. You know, one day at a time. Other things that cults say. Yep. (laughs) I can understand that. You've been you've been thinking about cults recently. Alcoholics Anonymous mostly. <laughs> uh yeah, no, I have been thinking about cults because I've been working on my uh next character for Dice Funk, which yeah. is another podcast that I'm on with Laura. I, and... I, I, I've been thinking about my character too, and I'm excited that our characters will be starting in a similar similar place it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be a fun little bit of laura and comrade content yes we're going to have shenanigans it's gonna be a good time yeah so gearing yeah. up for that but otherwise did we play video games this week i played like a couple this week do you want to hear about them sure tell me about the video games you played this week in this totally not contrived segment <laughs> Uh, so I finally got round to finishing, properly finishing one that I've been playing for a while, uh, that Life is Strange 2. Uh, I, I say finally, that game has been, it released its five episodes over like a year and a half. It was a really weirdly stretched out release schedule. Stupid people. I, I honestly had forgotten plot points by the time the next episode came out. I kind of wish they'd just, if they could, had the ability to waited and released them closer together i would have vastly preferred but uh yeah i really like that life is strange too it for anyone who's not played any of the life is strange's quick summary on the first one the first one was about teenage girls and time travel and um basically boiled down to would you let a small horrible town in america get destroyed so that you could time travel rescue your girlfriend and go drive off into the sunset together and I really enjoyed it. Um, I know some people were really turned off the original Life is Strange because it did feature a lot of slightly cringy attempts at youth speak. I personally found that kind of charming. I think some of the the awkward, terrible, doesn't make sense things that children say. It's like, okay, kids do sound this stupid, though. Which is why it didn't bother me so much. But uh, I, I thought the first Life is Strange was really fantastic. There were some some great individual standout episodes within it. Um, Life is Strange 2, totally a separate story and with a very different focus on what it was trying to be. The, the second game basically follows a pair of brothers where a cop gets killed and your dad dies in a probably slightly racist uh, not not even slightly racist in a de- definitely slight uh, kind of racist um incident that occurs basically some cop shows up and shoots your your mexican dad because that something something's happened cop panics shoots your dad and turns out your little brother's got superpowers and ends up killing the cop accidentally in the 
aftermath of, oh my god, I just saw my dad die. And you basically got to spend five episodes doing this, like, road trip across America, trying to outrun the cops, trying to... Like, the, the end goal is to get, get across the border to Mexico. Um, one thing I really like that they did about this that I didn't know about at the time until reading up some stuff, some interviews after the, the final episode was out, the way they did their sort of choice system was really interesting in that behind the scenes there were constantly two different meters being affected. Um... Because you are playing as a teenager with, like, an eight-year-old kid with you, trying to stay alive on the run, depending on the actions you make, some of them will make the kid more or less likely to listen to you when you tell them what to do. And some of the choices you make will make the kid's choices that he makes by himself better or worse choices. Um, and you're basically trying to balance through this adventure... Doing the things you need to do to survive without setting a bad influence for your very young, impressionable, super-powered kid who might just fucking lose it at any moment. I'd teach him to swear. <laughs> uh, you, 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 episode one, you can teach him it's okay to swear. Brilliant. I, I taught him episode one, it's like, hey, we're on the run from the cops, you can swear as much as you fucking like. Ten out of ten, game is perfect. Yeah, um... Having played through the whole thing now, I I think that it does a very good job of feeling contemporary to where America is today. It doesn't try and shy away from directly acknowledging some of America's big problems with regards to treatment of minority groups. It can be a bit of a hard play at times because of that, but it doesn't... It, it doesn't revel in, in that fact. It just... It highlights the fact that some a trip across the country that might be dangerous already at the best of times probably going to be more dangerous if you are, say, um, a couple of Mexican, ki- Mexican heritage kids in America today, or if you're gay, for example. Like, it... It feels like it is very much aware of where America is at. It it never explicitly mentions Trump or make America great again, but like there's a lot of uh this president we've got said we can take our country back now. A lot of very overt sort of clear references to to yeah, where America is at right now, but yeah, I I thought it was a really lovely little episodic game. Um I'm very proud of how well my tiny child turned out that I I felt like I, I've watched other people playing sections of this game and my god you can turn this kid into a vicious asshole. Hmm. Like you can turn this kid into into a kid that's like, oh yeah no, our number one solution to every problem is someone got in our way, use your superpowers, fucking blast them off a off a cliff. We don't care, keep us safe. I like that hook. Yeah. You know, I, I I like the premise of you know the power that you actually have is in your capacity to influence this person who has real power and that yeah. the choices that you make are going to reflect how that power is used going forward that that's interesting yeah it's 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 a really interesting one degree of separation from because you know so many other games would just have you be the person with the cool powers right and here it's like oh no this this kid you've got with you you know, on the positive end, can, like, levitate things and fly stuff around and has pretty good telekinetic control. But if they let their emotions get to the, the better of them, sometimes they act on impulse uh, or or emotionally driven, and that can cause problems. Like, at, at one point... I, I did have one point where this kid that I'd been raising uh, just got angry and sort of pushed his hand as if to go, like, get away from me, and accidentally seriously injured someone. Because this is a kid that doesn't really stop to think about the fact that they are very, very powerful. But yeah, it's 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 a really interesting thing having to balance, like, what is the moral choice that I think will get me through this situation best, versus what long-term lessons am I teaching this kid which could come back to bite me in the arse? 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Life is Strange too. It's it, it's real fun. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah, that sounds... I, I, you know, I think I have Life is Strange, the first one. Yeah. I haven't played it. It's one of those things that I grabbed it because it was available at a, you know, like a low price. It's like, oh, I'll get to this yeah. eventually. The... I I still think the original Life is Strange is really good, but you 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 do have to put up with, uh, particularly in the first episode, a uh, just like a lot of a lot of people dropping lines like "Go fuck your selfie," yikes! Like the kind of things that sound like what an adult thinks an early twenties person might say. Mm-hmm. They still say bodacious, right? I'm putting down bodacious. <laughs> That's what they all sound like. If you ever do try Life is Strange, I would say uh, at, at least play through to the end of the second episode. I think the second episode does a much better job than the first one of sort of getting into the nitty gritty of of consequences for choices. I mean, I'm I'm rapidly reaching that point in my life where it might as well, for all I know, be what 20-somethings are saying. Completely out of touch. That's honestly the way I looked at the the dialogue in Life is Strange. I was like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the kids are <laughs> saying this. <laughs> I I I I I got told the other day that kids don't use Skype. They have something called Bing Bong that they use. That's a Skype equivalent. I'm like, I don't fucking know what the kids are using to communicate anymore. Is Snapchat still around? Uh, it exists, but apparently no one really uses it anymore. <sighs> I know about TikToks. I've heard about the TikToks. I know yeah, about, about I know TikTok. about the TikToks. <laughs> I tell you what, I've been using Disney Plus to rewatch The Simpsons, and I got to like the ones from the year two thousand one, and thought, ah, the new episodes. <laughs> I remember <laughs> these, and yeah. So now I'm on the episodes that are new to me from two thousand. Um, yeah, about two thousand two onwards, I think. So uh, that's upset me. Plus, he's thirty eight in that show, and I'm like rapidly approaching. That. Yeah, I think I saw you tweeting about this, and I did not appreciate it, sir. I did not need to know that I am now older than Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson, a person who <laughs> came into being when I was like ten. Yeah, it's it's weird going back on old shows that you watched as a kid when you like. When you were a kid, you see the grown-ups on TV and they represent, like, what adults are. So then right. you get that old and you go and rewatch that stuff and and you're like, but they're still adults to me. Yes. Yeah. Like, they're still yeah. adults. I'm not an adult I'm not compared an adult. to them. I, I, I get this looking at people who are the same age as me or sometimes people younger than me. I'll look at people who are, like, 25 and go, no, you're an adult. I am a child in an adult costume. <laughs> When did this happen? Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah. And I don't keep my house tidy like my grandparents did. How did they do that? How did my grandparents keep a tidy house? I got wires everywhere. Yeah, well, that's it. They had fewer wires in their day. I tell you the amount of cardboard tubes that are in my bathroom. <laughs> no one talks about it. No one talks about the cardboard <laughs> tube pile. My grandparents didn't have it. Why have I got one? They literally brought me up to be better than that, and I'm not. I, I mean, my the the bed in my office is currently just covered in Amazon boxes. Of course, it is. My delivery boxes, because it takes me five weeks to put a box out for the trash. Yeah, I I live with a woman uh, who is fastidious and needs surfaces to be cleared and clean all the time and it has taken me 15 years of training (laughs) to not just have my shit everywhere in the house and now now i have an apartment with my own office and it can actually be confined to two places which is the office itself which is just a pile of boxes and detritus (laughs) all over the place and little pathways that me and the cats can walk through and then Like, two square feet right next to my nightstand at the bed, which is where my laundry goes after I take it off to crawl into the bed. I feel really called out because that is exactly my situation here. I I was... uh, I, I, you know, every day after work, I make sure the, the kitchen is clean. That is a place that I make sure is clean. 
and we try and keep the the living room sort of clear. But then it's the side next to my bed and next to the bedstand where there is a pile of clothes and the rest of my mess is in my office. That is where the mess lives. I was literally about to follow up by saying my grandparents put their clothes in like chests of drawers. I don't own a chest of drawers. Oh, I, I own <laughs> I one, saw no point in it. My clothes don't live there. Most of the floor is my chest of drawers. It's my chest of floors. I was talking to my mother uh, not that long ago. We were I don't know how the subject of my uh, habit of leaving just clothing all over the floor came up, but it was brought up. And she was like, but here, here's the thing I realized after you moved out. Like, it was really frustrating. But then you left and the carpet was pristine. <laughs> <laughs> because it had just been covered with clothes the whole time. Yeah. I'd been walking across it. It was perfect. There were no problems with the carpet <laughs> in that room. It's an effective dust guard. You do have to vacuum your clothes, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, I played some other games. Shall we about some other yeah. games? Yeah, tell us about some other games. Uh, so I've continued playing a game that I mentioned very briefly last week on the podcast. Weird and unfortunate things are happening. Mm, which was mm-hmm. that sort of um, Earthbound-inspired uh, RPG that's currently got like an eight-hour-long demo on on itch. I did double-check and confirm the save file for that demo will carry over to the full game. At which point I thought, fuck it, why not? So I just, I've been sitting and playing that. I've played about the first four hours or so of it. It's really fun. It's got a delightful sense of humour to it. The combat has not felt too unnecessarily grindy. The character art portraits continue... Like, you know how a lot of games that have little sort of drawn pictures of characters when they're talking will have, like, a selection of, like, three for a character and they'll cycle between those three? Sure. I'm, like, four hours into this game and still seeing new character art portraits for the protagonist talking when they need to produce a slightly different tone or expression nice that's dedication yeah there's there's clearly a huge amount of attention to detail has gone into this like they've not cut corners on it and the the more time i've put into it the more i've been like yeah yeah this i'm having a lot of fun with it already and i am excited that i still have several hours that i can play before the full thing comes out, so I really recommend checking that out. It's it's it is probably what it is rare that a demo is this long and keeps up this good of a level of quality for for a free demo for something. So yeah, what about you both? You been playing anything anything this week? Well, um, I've been playing more Disco Elysium, which continues to be good. Um, Are you continuing your quest to just get booze money? Yeah, for the most part, although it has it, the the case has now started to demand more of my attention. Like the actual murder has intrigued booze cop, and and so I have been following up on leads. Also, just just to pass time, <laughs> <laughs> like because I'm already drunk. I already have booze. Um, I you know I have speed. Life's good. So I'm just maintaining right now, and and I have to investigate to kill time. But the, yeah, the mystery is really intriguing, and I'm enjoying that, and I have things to do. So that's fun. Uh, the writing's awesome as before, and uh, but it, you know, I'm only like at the end of day two now, still, despite having been playing it for weeks, because I'm primarily playing it on stream, or only playing it on stream, I guess. And, you know, for every three hours that I stream, I'm, I'm maybe getting an hour and a half of actual progress done because it's a stream. So, uh, I, but that's okay. I, I like the pace that I'm going at it and, uh, and having a really good time with it. Um, I also played a uh, Metroidvania called uh, Dandara, Dandara, I don't know how you pronounce it, D-A-N-D-A-R-A, um, came out last year i guess um maybe i don't know i don't know when it came let me see this the store page on steam it's sort it's interesting because of its movement mechanic which is entirely like fixed movement jumping oh you told me about Ah. this i looked it up yeah yeah 
So the way your character uh, traverses environments is by bouncing from one wall to the next or ceiling to floor. And there are there's a certain type of wall type, salt, I believe it is, that you can cling to. And so you use your left analog to uh, aim, I think. And then you press a button to jump, and you know there's a little targeting reticule that indicates where you jump. You just do a direct jump to it. And this is another one. We are talking about texture assist the other week. This is another one I'd love to see some speed run of. I haven't gone and looked any up. I'm sure it's out there. Um, because the speed with which you could execute moves in it could be very fast once you get into the rhythm of doing it. But it's also kind of decision-making and targeting that's interesting because your stationary attacks will come in, you have to dodge them, and you don't want to dodge into them, but your movement is limited to where you could make a legal jump, technically. Uh. Uh, So that's cool. Um, I've done a boss in it, and that was kind of exhilarating. Um the yeah so it's really interesting i don't know when or how i got it is the thing <laughs> like it was in my steam library and now that there's you know like all the good sorting options and things like that in the steam library i was looking at everything that i had in my library that i had never played somehow yeah i i i recently made an effort on my steam to make a section which was games i have never touched yeah just so that I know where to to dig in if I need to play something new, and I like I can see I could immediately see why I bought it because it has a really cool pixel art style with some great animations and it just looks really cool. But I don't know why I what came up or what I was doing that I didn't play it when I bought it. But I'm glad I I went through and found it because it's really cool and I'm enjoying digging into it. Uh, so. Yep, did played a bit of that, and then I also, in doing that searching, I had Bayonetta on PC that I must have bought on sale, you know, because I knew that the day would come, has come, where I'm not hooking up my Xbox 360 anymore. Yeah. And, yeah, so I found that in there, and I played a little Bayonetta, and Bayonetta's still fun. It's still sassy. There's a lot of sass in that game. Yeah, that that game continues to be enjoyable, and I'm excited for whenever the fuck Bayonetta 3 eventually happens. I still haven't played Bayonetta 2. I've got time. Oh, Bayonetta 2 is, like, way better. Like, they they yeah. really... They took everything in Bayonetta and just refined it. Um, mm. Yeah, I love Bayonetta 2. Bayonetta 2 is... It is a really good example of taking something that already kind already worked and just like really refining it down to like to its core. Yeah, I always mm-hmm. felt like my timing was off in the first one, and I was never sure what it is. But whatever they did in Bayonetta two, like it's just I don't know, maybe better telegraphed or something. But it just feels a lot better to play. I do struggle with the timing in Bayonetta on the on the dodge, and I don't I I've never quite been great at it either. So yeah, but that you know, sometimes some of the games are just like that. Some some platinum games are just like that. Like I remember how long it took me to get the hang of the dodge in Revengeance. Yeah, I I always found the timings a little difficult in uh, the Wonderful One Hundred and One. If either of you ever played mm-hmm. that, yeah, that that I love that game, but the timings just never quite clicked in my brain. I wonder what it is about platinum. Did they just l- vibrate at a different frequency from us? Platinum games have just a very specific pace they want to be played at, and it's not consistent from Platinum game to Platinum game, but you have to... There's usually something that you just have to feel out in the timing before the, before they click. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's pretty much what I played this week. Uh, Jim, do you play anything? Uh, um, yeah, I played a lot more Binding of Isaac. I, I st- I'm still losing runs I shouldn't be losing. I don't get what's up. I feel like I've completely forgotten how to play it. Um, it's still fun. Been doing a uh, greed mode, mm. and I must have stopped playing before they added something to that because I I thought I'd beat um, Ultra Greed like usual, and then he went all gold and started dropping like coin 
air raid bombs and stuff. Uh, and then the doors were like throwing molten gold at me. So I'm like, that was new. Um, but then that's what is good about coming to it. Like after I, I used to play it religiously a couple of years back, coming back to it now that all the other stuff's been added in. It's just like I'm stumbling on buses I've never seen before and stuff. So it's been pretty, pretty cool going back to it. I just hope I like get good at it again. Um, otherwise, I played because uh, I was um, up in the northeast again. Um, Conrad was too selfish to come and meet me this time. Aww. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> that's the reason. <laughs> Went to do my wrestling all good. Well, wrestling show couldn't do much because my back hurts and still and everything. Um, but on the plane, brought the switch, of course. Yeah. Mostly played Assassin's Creed Black Flag. And even though there was people all around me, I was still like muttering under my breath, you fucking moron. I've I've never called a protagonist a moron more <laughs> than I have the protagonist of Assassin's Creed Black Flag. I mean, that that was a while where Assassin's Creed protagonists in general were morons. It was it was before they moved to the uh, Origins model, where they opened it up a bit more, yeah, allowed climbing up things to be a, a lot more easy, so it wasn't this distinction between stuff you could climb and stuff you couldn't. Um, they just made it better all round. Mm. In the earlier ones, in Black Flag, they make each button do too many contextual things. <laughs> so it can get confused. It's yeah. especially bad in ships, because I did a lot of the ship combat. The actual ship-to-ship fighting is good throwing cannons at each other and stuff. Mm. When you board, there are so many enemies and and, and all of the um, masts that you can climb up. It gets too confused. Like, if you're fighting someone and you, like, break through their guard, you expect your next hit to be them, the person you've been fighting. But you'll break someone's guard and then it will turn around and hit someone I didn't even see. And it just throws me off. And they made a, I think they made a mistake putting the um, the counter telegraphs when you need to counter a move over the enemy's heads instead of yours because it's too mm. cluttered and there are so many of them like hitting you from off screen. It's it's a ghastly nightmare. It's it's a lot. Yeah. Um, it it as much as I enjoyed it, it, it it's it's reminding me of how I felt about Assassin's Creed Three, which was another one from that same sort of era of just the game trying to be too many things and not being great at telling you what would or would not work at any one time. Yeah, like the thing I remember about Three in that regard was the sections where you're supposed to be running through the trees. And it was very tough at times to tell which branches were ones you'd like magnetically click to when you were supposed to run on and what were not. Yeah, like like there were them ones where you've got to chase a collectible that's floating in the air and it runs away and you've got to chase it. And the path seems pretty laid out. Like there's the branch you hop on, then that onto the rooftop. Like you can pretty clearly tell what path you've got to follow. And that doesn't stop him from like just jumping off a ledge when he's supposed to jump from it onto another. Just going weird directions. Because sometimes the game just gets confused. Um, And that's an issue they had. At the same time, I feel like, you know, what's interesting about Assassin's Creed as a series is that every iteration does represent, for the most part, some kind of improvement over the one that preceded it. Oh, I've procedurally liked... Every Assassin's Creed more as I've gotten through them, except Unity, which was a pile of shite. Right. And so, like, going back to Assassin's Creed Black Flag at this point, I would probably feel like, oh, this is... Well, I don't know, maybe not, because I think that was the last one I played. But but I might feel as though, like, oh, this feels really sort of stodgy and, you know, confused as compared to what I expect from games now. But I remember at the time being really impressed by them you know, making this much better than Assassin's Creed 2 had been, which represented a pretty significant improvement over Assassin's Creed 1. I honestly don't get, though. Outside of, like, just the general expectation that certain games get high scores, I and I'm not one to complain about review scores, but I do not know how this series did not get criticised harder, even at the time. Like, I was the only one at the time, like, pointing out, like, these controls are shit. And the game feels like shit to play. I I don't get it. 
Well, yeah, and it reached a point with you that you didn't want to do them anymore, and I wound up yeah. <laughs> doing them. But, you know, I Assassin's Creed Black Flag is weird because I almost want to say, like, I hate this game. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Right. It's like I, I'm really annoyed when I play it, but I'm still playing it and still finding it entertaining enough. Yeah, that ship combat. The ship combat's very good. Yep. I, 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 and I think I reviewed this game, and I am sure I overlooked a lot of faults because I had so much fun with that damn ship combat. Maybe. That, that ship combat was the, the standout thing that people were like, it is fun to sh- be in a ship shooting your cannons. Yeah. No one's denying that that is fun. And no one was doing it as well yet. Now there's a bunch, you know, like, there's a, there were a bunch of pirate games, and I'm sure somebody's done it better, but... At the time, nobody had done anything that was approaching the entertainment value of that ship combat. Yeah, yeah, it's... Yeah. I hate it, but I'm having fun with it. <laughs> um, it's a weird thing. I think it being portable helps, especially when you get into like the monotonous collectible things. You go into a new area and there's like a dozen things to pick up. But that works okay if if I'm in like a casual portable thing. Um it's just better than dedicating like the big TV and everything, sitting down fully concentrating on, I'm going to pick up some pieces of paper. And that's my gaming fun today. Um, well, and, and with the TV, there's setup involved, right? Like it feels like a process and then you settle in and you're doing some mundane bullshit. Yeah, I get It's that. a lot of pomp and circumstance for picking up bits of paper. Um, but yeah, handheld, it's okay. And you just pass the time on the play. Played a bit of Blackbird again as well, the Onion Games game, where you're a a weird, oily black bird that shoots things out of its beak, and enemies spawn in time with the music, so it gives it this uh, interesting rhythm to it. It's just a very weird game, uh, because that's what Onion Games does. I keep losing my voice. Um, I apologise for that. That's all right. Like, I've had so many ailments. And I'm on so many different <laughs> pills for those ailments. You've, you've been in the wars a bit. Yeah. They've completely dried me out. Oh, I have to ask, speaking of drying you out, <laughs> what color is your urine? Um, today it's more of a teal. That's an improvement. That's progress. I tell you what, <laughs> right now it looks like a sugar-free power rate. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of my ailments. I'm pissing blue. That's not the ailment. That's the alleged cure. Um, Basically, as well as my back coming and sciatica, like, scorching my knee, it's all concentrated in the right ball ball joint, my right leg today. That wasn't enough. So ear infection came up and was like, hello. And I'm like, hi. And then... Then bad things happened when I, I did a toilet. Oh, no. Um, that happened an hour before the um, I was due to go on for the wrestling stuff. So I was in the arena. I was in the, the venue. Oh, God. Oh, God. I almost pissed myself twice in that suit. Once I'm hermetically sealed in that suit, yeah. I make sure I do not need the bathroom. Yeah. Because I do not want to take that. I had to, like hobble to the toilet with my walking stick you you need to be like those people that that have the latex suits for for going out dancing in where you just have a little crotch installed have a little flat like long johns um yeah or do it do it baby baby biscuit style (laughs) butter biscuit baby butter oh whatever that's in the past move on from baby (laughs) butter biscuits that's your new wrestling gimmick you'll wrestle as baby butter biscuit but yeah i'd say like get into the toilet quick and pull it all off and like a bit of giddy wee was coming out and I'm like, I've got to get to the toilet. Um, so yeah, that was all bad. Just, just, I, I just eat. Well, basically I gave the doctor some toilet. I did a little toilet in a cup <laughs> and I said to the doctor, here is my toilet. And he looks in it and he said, that's a, I think his exact words was, there's a lot of stuff going on in there. <laughs> So I'm on all sorts of... I mentioned this on on the live stream yesterday. I'm doing a little bit of a live stream. But when I do photos on Instagram and stuff, and on Twitter or what have you, like I've found a bit of cheese and I'm pointing at it, here is some cheese. Um, people say that I look younger in them. And I shouldn't be doing that. 
because I feel dead. <laughs> like with all the stress and the bullshit and the illnesses. Yeah. Well, I think I think people see you in in the top hat and the uh, the sunglasses and the suit, and I think that does sort of age you up a bit visually because without it you just have this sort of sweet little baby face thing going on little baby butter biscuits face that's right yeah yeah and so i could see where people would think you were much younger when when seeing you in other venues i should look about eight years old at this point i should look haggard yeah i should look like um deadpool with his mask off I should look like a Nazi at the end of an Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> Pick your uh, Nazi. Yep. Well, people have. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, is I, I didn't have a particular direction to take that in, but you can just say it. You can just it say can it. And to, yeah. Everyone has in their mind their own meaning of that, and they're all right. They're all correct. It's it's depressing that there are that many correct interpretations of that that Nazi phrase. Oh yeah, there's loads. There is more than one notable Nazi. Collect Oops. the set. Collect the set. They're available in bags of tea, uh, PG tips, and you can put them in a book. I only said that because they had a book once. I feel like we need to pull the ripcord on this. Who else has played something else? PG tips had a book. Um, you get little cards, you can put them on the book. They were the PG Tips monkeys. Do they still do those adverts, or did they decide I, that was animal cruelty? I'm, a, I'm aware of them. I don't know if they still do them, because I've not watched a TV advert in God uh, knows how long. They used to put chimps in clothes and use them to advertise tea. And they do voiceovers for them. They were a family. Um, I don't think it was ethical. There was that, and then they did like the sock, the sock puppet uh, monkeys for a while. Sort of like knitted, knitted monkeys. That was for, oh, what was it? It was. was it not- wasn't Direct TV. It was one of those like. It was something like early Direct TV, and Johnny Vegas, the comedian. Yes, Johnny Vegas was involved. Yeah, would hang out with this monkey, and it was like, oh, monkey, monkey, monkey. I need my PG tips. My friend could do a pitch perfect impression of. Of Johnny Vegas, I can't do. That. I don't know. I think you did a pretty good Johnny Vegas just there. Also, we 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 would do half a Popeye impression each because I'd go, "I'll save Scotty like that," and then he would do the <laughs> he'd do the oh, what do you know? Because I can't do that bit, but he can't <laughs> do the "I'll save Scotty bit. So together, <laughs> we've got a full Popeye. <laughs> so you know, try and beat that, Jacob Rees Mogg. <laughs> um. I played some other indie games this week. I played some little demos of some more some more games because I'm in the midst of trying to just trying to try out more games. I played a demo for something called Creator Crate, which is a procedurally generated uh, sort of action platformer where you play as this little box robot that was invented to break down and reconstitute matter. And this thing is sentient, and this adorable little box robot goes, I don't fucking want to be kept in a lab. And you have to try and break out as this little, very fast-moving robot. Uh, You can find items within levels to sort of absorb down to make, like, an amount of stored-up matter that you can then make into things that you have found blueprints for. So, like, you might break down a vending machine that was in the way of you getting somewhere and rebuild it as a knife, and then you've got a knife to throw at scientists uh, that get in your way if you're trying to escape, etc. Hmm. Uh, it, it's a really cute little game. Um, I'm not terribly great at it. There are some mechanics that I feel like I need to... I feel like they're, they're definitely there to, to improve the flow when you're when you're playing quickly and effectively, but I'm not very good at them. Particularly when you're holding an item... Let's say you're holding a knife and you want to throw it at someone. Right. Uh, you've got your your buttons for running around and the the mouse for aiming where your arm is. Okay. So you can sort of like in in a very fluid motion like have be waving the arm around left and right above your head. And if you want to throw it at someone, you've got to sort of arc away, arc towards, and let go of the knife to like sort of get an arc going to throw it. Mm-hmm. And that that is. That is a motion that I am not used to doing while also platforming. 
And I feel like I would get it with a bit of practice, but it wasn't terribly... It wasn't the most intuitive feeling to me. Right. Um, but the game itself has got like a really charming little art style. Um, I very much want this tiny box robot to be okay. The fact that all these scientists are like, oh, you have sentience and are trying to run away. No, we are going to... We're going to capture you. We're going to destroy you. We're going to... It's like, no, no, let this thing live. It clearly has a life of its own. Uh, that's that's a that's a funky little thing that I played a little bit of, and it seems promising. Yeah, yeah, yeah that sounds good. Uh, what about you, both? You played anything else? Nah, uh, no, not here. Nope. No. Nope. Nope. Uh, that's it. Well, in that case, we've got some newsy bits. Ooh. Uh, so you know, there's those new consoles coming out this year. Yes. They're gonna yeah. happen. Uh, first bit of news is about the 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 next Xbox. And I think it's kind of good news, but it's also it it's it's not what you would expect out of a new console launch. It's got little spider legs and it walks around the room. That's it. You got it in one gym. Brilliant. It moves around the room. Um, the next Xbox isn't going to have any exclusive first party games for the first year of its launch. Oh yeah. For the first year or so, they've they've said it might be more than a year, but for about the first year. Every first party exclusive will also get a version on the Xbox One. And I think that's really interesting because usually. It's a very strange move. Here's the thing usually, console manufacturers are really eager to be like, these games are only on the new box. Please, early adopters, jump and buy the new thing. This, This feels like an excuse for people to not feel rushed. To upgrade, which seems an interesting financial decision. They're going almost a transition phase rather than a, a harsh yeah. cut off. Nintendo did something similar with the um, the Wii, I think it was, when they had things like Twilight Princess was on the GameCube and the Wii. Yeah, and the Breath of the Wild as well was on the Wii U, uh, on the Wii U, and on the Switch. Like Nintendo will uh, will sometimes have a game. Or two that like got developed a bit late and they pushed to being a launch title for the next thing. But an explicit plan of yeah these dual releases that is yeah it's an interesting move. I I I can see some some benefits in that it's gonna be nice to be able to you know get a feel for some of the new games and franchises they might release in that first year to get a feel for oh yeah do i do i want to be playing xbox games so they have things i want to shell out a new box for but it also suggests that those games aren't going to be terribly distinctly different from what they would have been on the xbox one because obviously you're having to develop to the lowest common denominator yeah yeah I and I, I I don't know what that suggests about how much of a leap or not this new console will be. Microsoft's place in the industry has been strange anyway. In, in interesting, yeah. I'll say. You know, things like opening up um, to working with the Switch, uh, having the, the the whole Game Pass thing, which is the closest we've got to a Netflix for games, mm. um, and uh, recently supporting Steam with a bunch of releases like Gears 5 is on Steam and stuff like that. Yeah. Um well like there's there's rumors that this new Xbox will have a Windows mode that you can boot up and play Steam games through. Well, there you go. Um like they they really seem to be trying to go the route of look, we get that people play games on lots of things. It's fine. Just play our games on as many of our things as possible. I'm wondering if that's it. Like they're more interested in just the spread of the brands than anything in particular. Right. We want that computer that's in your living room that you use for everything. It's all they've ever wanted. They're just yeah. finally, you know, getting to converge on that. I I can't remember who I saw say this, so credit to whoever whoever gave me gave me this thought. But it really does feel like Microsoft might be in a position to do what Valve couldn't in their attempts to make the Steam Box. This could be going the direction of just here is the computer that runs all your games and it runs your windows on it and if you don't have it it's fine your pc will run the games as well just here is a neatly prepackaged box with set yeah uh settings but it's basically a pc box i'll tell you what it feels like in part as well is 
mobile phones. Mm-hmm. Like, because they've already said, like, the the new Xbox will be, like, a series thing. So we've got this, you know, series, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, series X. Um, just as phones, you know, have... You've got your iPads, your different types of iPhones and minis and all that. It's like... And then that's what is reinforced by this uh, lack of exclusives. Yeah. Is very much like a phone. It's still got use. It's still got functionality and support that will eventually be phased out. So this idea of phasing customers onto new stuff seems to be, you know, somewhat mimicking the the, the phone industry, um, which, again, is something I think companies have wanted for a while. Yeah. The idea that they can just keep selling hardware and different versions of it. And here's one with a slight upgrade. And don't worry, it'll still play the games, just not quite as well. Yeah. Here's a financing plan to allow you to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. It it does feel like this this news really does cement something that I've been feeling for a little while, which is that Microsoft and Sony seem to have very different ideas going into ne- this next generation of what their focus should be, because I think all you have to really do is look at naming conventions. Xbox are making another Xbox with a sort of vague name that doesn't make it clear that it's a complete generational leap. They're making sure all their games work on the old thing for a while. Whereas Sony's just like, PlayStation 5. It's your, your fifth PlayStation. Yep. Yep. What one feels like a new console and the other feels more like uh, you know, brand extension. Yeah, a brand extension, uh, uh an incremental upgrade rather than a complete step. Yep. I'm curious how that'll play out for them. Like I wonder if that'll mean that this ex- this new Xbox will have like a step up in game quality a year into its life. That's a weird thought. That like the uh, the, the you'll just get to year two and it's like ah here's all the games that we we didn't feel forced to make run on the Xbox One as well aha there we go yeah I mean I guess I I I I couldn't predict what the how that will pan out that's a it's just a strange one yeah clearly they've got a plan going in I don't know if they think you know they'll do better if they play this really long term. Because this is what this feels like. It feels like a long-term thing. Yeah. And maybe maybe they're, they're trying to eliminate even the concept of generations. Yeah. Where it's just this incremental, consistent evolution. Uh, who knows? I feel like there's maybe something smart in the idea of... Um, after the Xbox One really didn't sell terribly well, maybe going, look... Wouldn't it be great if people who owned our old consoles could still buy new software, even if they haven't been convinced that the new box is worth buying? So, yeah. You know, there, there's maybe something to that, to the to being able to keep selling people software. Yeah, I so... Yeah. Here's my thing on all of this that I find kind of depressing. Uh, is that, yes, it, it is a very sound business approach to create these incremental iterative devices that stay within the family and everything, you know, can play most of the old software and so on and so forth. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But what it really kind of means is that this company is dedicating themselves to no longer attempting to do any kind of paradigm-shifting moves within development. Right, you're never gonna see another connect. Yeah. You know, which you know, fine. You can feel how you want to feel about connect, but you can't deny that it was a bold move uh, and an attempt to do something very different. You will never have that again under this model. Well, that's it, and we're already hearing for better or worse that Sony is trying to do stuff like that with the PS5. We've heard all this talk of um. Uh, controller triggers that push back as you push them to try and mimic the right. the feeling of pulling on a bowstring or whatever. Like, you know, whether that will turn out to be something that we actually enjoy when it's implemented, that's an attempt at a new feature and something to go, hey, this is something that wasn't on your old box. Right. And I think I'm more excited about the PS5 out of the two of these, mainly just because I have more hope that there will be some kind of attempt at as you put it, a paradigm shift to do something new. We we 
it's just going to be graphics. Yeah. Graphics improvements and gameplay refinements on things that come out for Xbox. That's it. Yeah. That's all you can ever expect. And if that's all you ever want, that's fine. Like, I'm not shitting on people who want that. That's fine. It's just not necessarily something that uh, appeals to me because I've done a lot of that already and I'm going to get excited about something that feels out of left field or something that's going to make me rethink video games. Well, this is this is why I got excited about the Switch. I'm like, oh, that's a really right. new idea. That's something cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, we can <laughs> continue to count on Nintendo to experiment, I think, to some extent. Although, maybe not, because in a lot of ways, the Switch represents sort of a fusion of their handheld business and their con- console yeah. business, which has always been pretty separated. And now, if that's consolidating down, I, I don't know. Like, everything is moving in a yeah. direction that makes me nervous. My my gut feeling about the future of Nintendo is I I hope that when they do their next thing it's hey here's here's a switch better better graphics better you know uh, more comfortable design whatever the only major difference being we've shipped it with a a VR headset shell and this one can do VR straight out of the box that'd be without cool. being wired into a you know because we've got stuff at this point like the uh, the Oculus Quest and things that are room scale VR that doesn't uh, you know that has all of its cameras built in doesn't need those base stations or anything has hand tracking I'm like I can't imagine it to be too tough for Nintendo next generation to go it, our, our new Switch is powerful enough we can use it to run VR I, that would be interesting uh, because I have, you know, sort of, you know, I've, I've been not a fan of VR. Mm. I think that's fair yeah. to say. And I, I will probably continue to not be a fan of VR and that's, that's fine. But I had, I, I do think that that is kind of the route. We need an established company in the gaming space to take the leap yeah. and make it an integral part of a console offering in a way that it's not just an accessory. It it needs to be something where it's boxed in as standard as part of the price of picking up the thing. Right. And as such, there is incentive for first party games to support it, which then in turn gives third party developers a reason to support it and the chance that we might actually see a decent number of VR games come out. And there is now, to some extent, I guess, a decent library a decent back catalog of games in vr that if you could get all of those present in a storefront at launch and have a solid offering uh to play there's there's a chance that it could really work yeah um i've always been hesitant about vr adoption in general uh but if it's an optional arm of a more powerful new console but it's still present with every unit that that could work yeah there were there were a decent number of VR games last year that I I think like n- not necessarily worth justifying buying a headset for, but if you've got one, there were definitely some games that that were like really solid things that that you miss out on if you've not got VR. I think Beat Saber is the one that everyone thinks of. You sort of lightsaber through your music, but um, the VR version of Super Hot is one of the coolest games I've ever played. Mm-hmm. Slow motion dodging of bullets while you slice the bullets in half with a katana in in bullet time is a very powerful feeling, for example. There's, there, there, there's been some good VR things. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, there's always going to be great titles uh, that can take advantage of a new technology well. And I think by now there's probably enough of those to satisfy people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as you know, launch titles continue to roll out for a more dedicated approach. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other bit of news that is sort of video gamey E three ish next gen ish news. Sony is skipping E three for the second year in a row. Which uh-huh. what's the point? What's the point going there? You know what? Maybe they'd like to protect their personal information. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that has something to do with well, it. This is the... I, how dare the ESA? Do another E3. How dare <laughs> they? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't go. Uh, you know, I wouldn't go at this point. I, I don't. I, I think a lot of people in media will be yeah. afraid to go. I think it's going to be fans and it's going to be enthusiast press. Bear in mind. Bear in mind. 
this isn't just the ESA fucked up in a really stupid way by, you know, having those details really easy to get. They were warned beforehand. So they're not just inept, they're fucking negligent as well. Yeah. I would not advise anyone to go to E3. Well, the the thing that I found interesting about this story is, first of all, the, the headlines all say skipped it for the second year. I'm going to say three years, because there was that one year where they showed off, like, one trailer for The Last of Us in a weird tent that looked like a church, and that was it. I'm like, yeah, you weren't really there for that one. Um, but I, I feel this is kind of notable mainly because this is the first time I think we've seen one of the major three platform holders not attend E3 in the year that they're launching a, co- a new console. Yeah, they don't need E3. They've got a direct line to their audience. Yeah. They will rent out a LA, you know, convention air, convention hall area, what do you call it? Theater. Yeah. They'll do a press conference. They'll show the PS5 crap. And then they'll have an event, you know, and it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They don't need E3. It's all on their terms. They can directly feed their... They don't need E3 for anything. And it's, you know, no doubt cheaper to do it all on their own terms. Yeah. Like, I think everybody's going to do this stuff around that time because the thing still exists. It's still a name. But they can afford themselves the use of the event timing and not, you know, participate in the event yeah. itself. That. They're there now. Like they could, they could basically be like Devolver the year they started doing their Devolver conferences, where they're just like, "Oh yeah, we're just literally over the road in a car park." Right. Come check us out. That's the only thing to that that keeps C three relevant is Devolver Digital. They may not even bother. You know, do we get during E three? They might set an event for the month after, or what? They can do it whenever they want to. The yeah. actual event. I'm sure they'll have a press, you know, briefing thing. Because why wouldn't you? But, you know, that could be it for E3 for them. It's just a signalling of what we all sort of suspected would happen, which is that E3 is slowly dying and losing its relevance. Yeah, I did a video on it last year. Like, they've... They're they're losing more support from the industry every year. This this is it. The the shift to allowing the the huge numbers of public in that they, they, they started doing... Paired with the doxing of media per- uh, p- uh, personnel, plus the fact that most companies at this point are willing to show press their stuff the week before or week after E three, if you just ask them nicely. Oh yeah, like it's. It sounds like this year's E three. If they do those plans that were leaked last year, it's going to be fucking awful. Oh, it's going to be one big advertisement hall, entertainment, and all this shit. I bet there's a chill-out lounge somewhere. It's fucking... It's going to be so... They wanted, like, influencers and celebrity endorsements. Um, ones that look really dodgy as well, because it's the ESA. They don't do... It, they struggle to do anything above fucking board. I, I want it to get worse at this point. I want to see the, the logical endpoint. I want to see this get as bad as Gamescom... Last year, was it? Uh, last year's Gamescom, where someone took a shit on the floor in a queue <laughs> to play with a Fortnite uh, obstacle course. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's that's the direction E3 is trending. A Fortnite obstacle course shit. Yeah. Uh, the ESA's a big bag of shit. I hate the ESA. It's a load of rubbish. So, yeah, I, I've got no sympathy for them. And no one should go to E3 if they value their safety. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That'll do. Well, that's a cheery note. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> yep. I think that's it. I think I think I think we're done. Yeah, I can't do much sitting at this desk. Um Laura, tell the the lovely people where they can find your things. Uh me, Laura K Buzz. Laura K Buzz in all the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, LauraKbuzz.com. Uh go check out. I've been doing a bunch of stuff on YouTube recently that I've been really happy with. I have a big uh 25 indie games that I'm really excited for in 2020 video that's up on the channel. Uh, I did a video about McCavity from Cats and a comprehensive list of all of the crimes that he committed. Because he broke every human law and that is a lot of laws that I go into detail about. 
Other than that, I've got some books, there's uncomfortable labels, there's things I learned from Mario's butt, and then I'm in some podcasts, there's Pixel Squirt, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, and Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Every season's a self-contained story. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and soon season seven. We've got our characters ready. You know who else has got a character ready for season seven? It's Conrad. Well, that's true. I do. Yeah, you can hear me on Dice Funk with Laura, and season seven of that is going to be wild. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. Uh, you can buy my audiobooks that I record and release at conradreads.com. You can buy my anti-establishment buttons that I make at pinfultruth.com. I'm going to have some new ones out a little later this month, and they are uh, pretty good, I think, if I dare say so myself. Uh, and you can hear me on some other podcasts. You can, as mentioned, hear me on Dice Funk. You can hear me on Of Horse, a BoJack Horseman fan cast talking about BoJack Horseman. You can hear me on uh, the spinoff Doctors uh, with my good friend Jim Sterling talking about uh, movies, uh, primarily movies based on video games. But our Demon Knight episode just came out, and that was a lot of fun. And I apologize for my audio on the first half of that. I don't know what the fuck happened there. And uh, you can also hear me with Jim on Boston's Favorite Son with our good friend Jonathan uh, trying to make him famous. It is quote-unquote comedy. And uh, Jim, you have a Patreon, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Funny you should bring that up. That's patreon.com slash jimquisition. And you can do a support on that if you like. Uh, and you can check me out doing streaming on Twitch when I feel up to it. did one yesterday. It's quite good. Um, try and do another this week. That'll be Twitch TV slash Jimquisition. Um, and as you know, I've, I need to get some more water completely dried out. My voice is going. So I'm going to say bye. Thank you for supporting and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Yeah.